0: Uh, the word that God has got for us is the finishing of, uh, of the series that we've had on, on the vision that God has given us. And uh, and that's where we're seeing, we have the PowerPoint, did we get it, Sarah? Yeah, great. Okay, vision part three, the last part, and if you don't have a handout, if you would raise your hand up, Swifty's behind you, and he'll be glad to hand that to you. The last part of it is pursuing God's presence. Sarah, let's go to the next slide, please. And here's the complete complete vision, which I pray becomes a part of all of our hearts intensely, making a difference by embracing God's heart and pursuing his presence. Uh, this making a difference is huge. It's kind of interesting how we just started just applying that in every area of our lives and especially in leadership and speaking it in the churches like in Big Stone Gap. Uh, yeah, I told you that I went down there three weeks ago, and spoke into the leadership there that, you know, what are you here? You know, God's called you here to make a difference. How are you making a difference? And, and the mindset that came up, well, we're going to make a difference in a region that's just a scourge of addiction in that region uh, by having a Sunday morning service, inviting people to come, and I'm going, that's sick. That ain't going to do it. And so we just we just changed everything what's going on and, and started this whole process of changing the whole name of the church down there, and really, in fact, not doing a church, but doing a training center called Freedom Center. It's kind of interesting. They called me uh, after we started making this change. I said, uh, you know, all of a sudden, a doctor, a medical doctor in the community contacted Tim and, and Mark and said, I want to come and meet with your leadership team. So I go down there Tuesday night, and we solidified the The meaning of what it makes a difference in relationship to addiction issues in that region. I mean, it is a serious issue in Big Stone Gap region. I mean, a whole generation's been lost to addiction issues in that that area. And uh, anyway, that doctor came and we're we're sharing out her vision. I mean, his his heart is so much in with it. The interesting thing was, we met on Tuesday night to solidify some of the vision where we're headed. And we want to involve the region program up here in relationship to down there. Um, but five people co- contacted Mark and Tim since Tuesday in relationship to needing help in relationship to addiction issues. And we're not going to start a region program down there. We have a region program here, but we're going to do a, do a whole thing of prevention and intervention down there that will feed and connect back up with the region program here. All birthed out of this thing about making a difference. And I'd encourage you in relationship to your own life to really just receive the challenge, like it's in Mark 5.16, I mean uh, Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men. Because you remember you said you are salt, you are light. Well, making a difference, how do we make a difference? By embracing the heart of God. Last week we just shared about the whole thing is not to try to become like God, but just to see his glory, see his heart, see the revelation of him, see the heart of the Father, see the heart of the bridegroom, see the heart of the Son, see the heart of the Holy Spirit's. Receive the heart of, um, I'm, I'm skipped one or two in that, but receive those revelations of the heart of God, and it changes us, and it empowers us to make a difference. It just we just be, we're just us, but so we catch these revelations of God, the heart, but then there's a force to carry out and empower that heart, and that force is the presence of God, and. Uh, in fact, this is one of my all-time favorite subjects. It's just not, a, not subjects of like to study, but subjects of like to live. Um, and but I have to confess, as going into this, as always, this is shaking me up. And I'm catching revelations about God's presence that's just new. But before we start talking about God's presence, there's a there's five foundations real quick that God when we're starting talking about God's presence, what are we talking about? Because my honest conviction is the Word of God tells us, and also God Himself tells us and communicates to us that He wants to be with us, not distant, but with us. And we'll talk more about that in a in few minutes. So when I talk about the vision and dwelling place, pursuing God's presence What do we mean? Now, I just want to throw this statement at you, the one in the top. That literally, it's a pursuit, is the intentional awareness and response to God himself. Now, think about that. That we're being intentional to be aware of his presence and to respond to his presence. Because notice this past scripture in, in Hebrews 5.14 where it says solid food is for the mature. The Word of God, that's, that's the, the truth of His presence. Solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses, senses y'all, trained to discern good from evil. But not just good from evil, but how about this? The senses of His presence. You know, I think we in charismatic circles We make a mistake and we start calling out, God, we want more of you, more of you. And the Lord was speaking to me says, that's not maturity. Maturity is being able to be messed up on him with less than. Being full of the Spirit. If you're interested, you read the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4. It talks about Jesus being led about in the Spirit in the wilderness Then it makes this statement about being in the wilderness. Being full of the Spirit in the wilderness. In the wilderness where he's being tempted by the devil. So intense was the time that afterwards angels had to comfort him. But still yet, he's so sensitively aware of the Spirit. And so when we're talking about this pursuit of God's presence, we're intentionally becoming aware of his presence and responding to his presence. Let's go on. So when we talk about his presence, make sure we understand this. Because I know what it's like to be in Paula's presence. Where is Paula? There she is. She's in the back because we got grandbabies in, the, in there. Uh, I know what it's like to be next to Paula. I know what it smells like. And I know what it feels like. And it's awesome. And, but, and I know what it sounds like soulishly and physically. But to God, be in God's presence, we need to be aware of something. Notice this. It is a pursuit in the Spirit. Because notice what it says. Where can I go from your Spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence, O oh Lord? Because when we're talking about God's presence, we're talking about His Spirit, Holy Spirit. Because we know when Jesus ascended on high, He gave the Spirit, Holy Spirit. But God's presence manifested to us through the Spirit, Holy Spirit is is with us. God Himself with us. I mean, that's amazing. No other religion in the world can make such boast. In fact, Islam, which Eli spoke of, you know, I mean, I remember that conversation I got with that gentleman in the airport in Damascus, Syria. You know, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking about ah, hearing God's voice and knowing his love, and it's freaking him out. He's going, how can this be? God is far off, he's terrible, he's dark. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I just thought of the wizard of Oz. That's all I could think about. Islam. The God of Islam is the wizard of Oz, you know, where the guys behind the the curtain, putting a big screen up there, doing all these things. And that's what Islam is. The devil's behind the curtain calling all this stuff, people to do stuff. And I'm going, that's crazy. Because why is it? Because our true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth. Notice the statement is, God is a spirit. Now, I, I interact with Paula and can be in Paula's presence She's She is a soulish being. She has a spirit, but she lives in a body. And living in this world, we live, Jesus, when he came and dwelt in this world, he became flesh and dwelt among us. That's one of the characteristics of living in this age, is in this age, which is temporary, it's physical. But the real world that causes the physical to come into existence is the spirit. It's like... That prophetic movie that came out a number of years ago, The Matrix. I believe it was. I believe it was a prophetic thing from God to call to the world. Hey, there is another realm. I really believe that. So we're talking about God's presence. We're talking about a a spiritual existence. And here's the reality is, you all many of us are not trained to function our minds and, and senses are not trained to discern spiritual things. And that is part of the, 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 the dynamic for us being born again and is being born of the water and of the Spirit is we can start this journey to awaken the sen- the spiritual senses in us so that we can interact with Him who is a spirit, our Father, our Savior, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who's in us. Also, when I talk about God's presence, let's go to the next slide. About a year and a half ago, I preached a series on the triad presence of God. And when you get very, very important for you to understand this when I say this, because many Christians misunderstand this. In this passage of Scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, and wherever you see dots, I've taken the passages out so I could fit it in. But he says, just God said, I will dwell in them. Individual presence of God. And Marie, the spirit of God, the presence of God is in her. Her body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in her. I just got all excited about watching her worship this morning. Thanks for making my day. He says, I will dwell in you and then I will walk what? Among you. That's the corporate presence of God. When we started worship today, what did I have us do? I said, Jesus, we all said, Jesus, what? Come. Well, Jesus is in us, but what we were longing for is for Jesus to come and walk and dwell among us. Very important. Yesterday, it was kind of a frustrating day for me because I'm all excited about talking about God's presence. But you know how some of those, one of those, some of those days that you're in the flesh... And no matter, you know, I mean, I was up early praying, seeking the presence of God, and have grandbabies here. I mean, this, every reason to be in heaven. And Paula's going, what is wrong with you today? And, I, you know, and I was going, I don't know. But I'm acting like a jerk, and I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, a guy was just doing a thing with me, just showing me, that's the time that you need the corporate presence of God when you're out of tune, that you need another instrument to help you tune in. And that that for me yesterday was Paula and two grandbabies. That Paula was helping me tune in. The presence of God among us was helping me tune in. And so when we talk about presence of God, we're talking about God's presence in us, God's presence among us, and then God's presence in the heavenlies, because notice that passage that says, therefore come out from their midst, says the Lord, and do not what touches what is unclean, I will welcome you, it's I welcome you, first part's him coming to us, in us, among us, I welcome you, and we know this is referring to like in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us come with confidence to where? Throne of grace, Hebrews 10 19. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, where is that? Read Hebrews 9. That's in heaven itself. You hear people talking about having throne room experiences. Well, y'all, in the spirit, the normal thing for the Christian life from God's heart is to have throne room experiences with God. Live there. That's where you get heaven's perspective about earthly events. So when we talk about God's presence in us, among us, and in the heavenlies, and those all I could just speak so much about those, those individually. Also, when we start talking about God's presence, well, we've got to realize what God is so cool. He works ahead of us in time. He works where we're at in time, and he works after us in time. It's really cool. I like this passage of Scripture. It works ahead of us. Like, get this situation with Philip. Philip, an angel of the Lord, spoke to Philip, saying, Get up, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. There'll be, there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then Philip, the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join the chariot. Philip says to him, Do you know what you're reading? No, how can I unless somebody tells me? Guess what? God doing a work in this Ethiopian eunuch, sending Philip ahead to him so this guy could get saved. The Spirit of God working ahead of you. You'll be amazed that many times before you ever get to a place, God's doing a work before you get there. I believe he was doing a work in relationship to Paula long before I had a chance to meet her. I know she's praying, praising God that God was doing a work in me before I ever met her. Or she would have never had anything to do with me. Because God is constantly doing a work ahead of us, but also he's doing a work with us at the moment. Both individually in us, among us. We want to be aware. We want to respond to his presence. Now, now let me back up here. We want to be aware and respond. To his presence, what he's done ahead of us. Oh God, yeah. I recognize that. Because y'all remember, let me pause this. This is a commercial. Do you remember when I was talking about hearing the voice of God? When you talk about when you give expression to an impression, you become more what? Impressionable. So if I start becoming more aware and responding to recognizing what God's presence is doing ahead of me, that makes me more impressionable that I can recognize what God has done. Increases my faith. Also, when God's presence among me. And get this still. Go to the next slide. God's presence among us. I love this. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them. Y'all, in, sometime in the near future, y'all are going to be here in a series that God has been, we've been going through with the elders and, and the other church leaders on the kingdom of God. And one of our hearts is to understand the ministry of the Spirit of God in relationship to like healing, deliverance. You know, we just believe, I mean, I praise God for the healing team, and I think we're seeing the taste of of healing and, you know, but I don't think we're seeing the fullness of of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. And here's the thing that God's been showing me. We've been taking the load on this, y'all. Do y'all realize this healing has nothing to do with us? Because I want you to notice this passage. They went out and preached every while the Lord did what? (laughs) Worked with them. Confirm that the signs followed. Acts 4, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse, verse 30. The Lord, what did I, Acts 430, Acts 430, Acts 430. Listen to this thing. I'm getting bogged down, but it's too big. Get this, Acts 430. You know, listen, it's thy servants. Grant that we may speak the word with all confidence while you extend your hand and heal And signs and wonders take place. Who does the healing? He does. Who doesn't? All we do is preach. He comes and he partners with us. That is it. Y'all, but here's the reality. He only partners with what reflects who he is. And so that's why I want to be aware of him and respond to him. So that he does his normal self, and his normal self is to heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, you know, get people saved, cast out devils. Just to be aware, he'll do it with us at that moment, the time that he, he's doing a work. There's something. Yeah, I want you to catch how God. There's a story that God told me to read. The name of this story is "God Knows Your Number," and it's just how God to do a work. True story. This guy named uh, Evangelist Ken Gobb. He says uh, he's he's pondering himself as he and his family were traveling their silver Silver Eagle bus. God, sometimes I wonder if you know where I am. You ever felt like that, God? Do you know if I'm in the universe? You ever felt that? Raise your hand. Really, seriously. Okay. Part of you. Yeah. Get this. Sometimes I wonder if you know where I am at that moment. Melancholy cloud of self-pity shrouded my, my mind. My hands tensed their grip on the steering wheel, and I was stared through the windshield. It seemed as if I'd used up all my faith in ministering to others. Lord, even a preacher needs to know that you're aware of him once in a while. And I said to myself, and all of a sudden, one of the voices of his kid says, Hey, dad, let's get some pizza. A voice of my younger son, Dan, stirred me out of my self induced cocoon of despondency. My wife, Barbara, and daughter, Becky, agreed with Dan. It had been a long day, and it was way past time to eat. We exited I 75 and turned down Route 741 just south of Dayton, Ohio. Bright, colorful signs advertising the wide variety of food restaurants and a welcome sight. Satisfied, satisfied murmurs arose behind me as we sighted a local pizza parlor. I maneuvered the silver evil bus into the parking lot, and Dan and Becky were already clamoring to get out into the restaurant. Barbara stood at the bottom of the steps and turned to wait and see for me, wait for me. And I stare, and stared. I sat staring into space. I said, "Aren't you coming, Ken?" she asked. "Nah, I'm really not hungry. You go ahead with the kids, and I need to stretch and unwind a bit." So, in other words, it t- so it just, I'm just going to hurly in the song. I mean, in the book story, he decides to get out of the bus and he notices a dairy queen down the street. So he goes down and goes to get a drink. So he gets this drink and he says, After purchasing Coke, I strolled in the direction of the bus, impatient, and the impatient ringing of a telephone somewhere up the street jarred me out of my doldrums. This is telling how long ago this was. There were this thing called t- phone booths. Some of you in the, this earlier generation may not know of this event, so. How many of y'all remember he had to turn the dials? <laughs> yeah, so. Poor Superman, what, how would he change into a costume? You don't see him anymore, I guess that's right. It says, it, it, says, uh, it was coming from a phone booth at a service station on the corner. As I approached, it continued its ringing. I paused to look and see if anyone was going to answer the phone. Noise from the traffic flowing through the busy intersection must have drowned out the sound because of the service station attendant continued looking after his customers, oblivious to the incessant ringing. Why doesn't someone answer the phone? I wondered. The ringing continued, and I began reasoning. It may be important. What if it's an emergency? I started to walk away, but curiosity overcame my indifference, and I stepped inside the phone booth and picked up the phone. Hello, I said casually and took a sip of my Coke. The operator whined, long-distance call for... This is another phenomenon of the past, person-to-person call. (laughs) It says, the operator whined, long-distance call for Ken Gob. My eyes widened and almost choked on the chunk of ice from my Coke. Swallowing my heart, I said, You're crazy. Realizing I shouldn't speak to an operator like that, <laughs> this can't be. I just was just walking down the street, not bothering anyone, and the phone was ringing. The operator ignored my crude explanation, and I asked once more, is, and she asked once more, Is there a kin gob there? I said, I have a long distance call for him. I took a moment to gain control of my babbling, but I finally replied, Yes, he is, searching for a possible explanation. And then I suddenly had the answer. I know what it is. I'm on candid camera. <laughs> While trying to locate the hidden, hammer, hidden camera, I reached up and tried to smooth my hair. <laughs> to look my best for the millions of TV viewers. <laughs> Stepping outside the phone booth and looking quickly in every direction. <laughs> I couldn't find a camera anywhere. And impatiently, the operator said, I have a long distance call for Kent Gobb. Is he there? Still shaken and as well perplexed, how in the world can this be? How can you reach me here? I was just walking down the street, and a payphone started ringing. And it says, well, asked the operator, is there a Ken Gob there, or isn't he? The tone of her operator convinced me that the call was real and that her patience was of the limit. Then I replied, yes, he is, I am he. She was not convinced. Are you sure? She asked. Flustered, I half-jokingly replied, as far as I know, this is the point I am. And I heard another voice say, yes, that's him, operator. I believe that's him. I I listened dumbfounded, strangely, at her voice to identify herself. The caller blurted, Ken Gobb, I'm Millie from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, but I'm desperate. Please help me. What can I do for you, I responded. She began weeping. I waited until she gained control, and then she continued. I'm about to commit suicide. I just finished writing a note. While writing it, I began to pray and tell God I didn't want to do this. I suddenly remembered seeing you on television and thought if I could just talk to you, you could help me. I knew that was impossible because I didn't know how to reach you. I didn't know anyone who could help me find you. I continued writing my suicide note because I could see no way out of the situation. As I wrote, numbers came to my mind and I scribbled them down. At this point, she began weeping again and I prayed silently for wisdom to help her. She continued, I looked at the numbers and then thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I had a miracle from God and he had given me Ken's phone number? I decided to try and figured it was worth a chance. It was, really was, I can't believe it, I'm talking to you in your office in California. I replied, lady, lady, I don't have an office in California. My office is in Yakima, Washington. And a little bit surprised, she says, oh, really? Where are you? Don't you know? I responded, you made the call. She explained, I don't even know what area I am calling. I just dialed the number on this paper. And I could go on about how he led this woman to the Lord and God ministered to her heart. See, God's presence working before. God's presence working at the moment, and then God's presence continually working afterwards. Because, why? Romans, we got the, the stopgap, Romans eight twenty eight. God causes what? To what? Work, work out for good. When you leave a situation, God will start to work even more. I know that Paul and Penny times in Paul and I's parenting days, that we felt like that we had screwed up and we'd left a situation with our kids. And we figured like it was over, history, and God just working to do a redemption work after us. His presence there. Well, we want to be as intentional to be aware and respond to his presence before, during, and even after to take note of what he's doing. Let's go on. And I know I've spent a lot of time on these foundations because when we start talking about being aware of his presence and responding to his presence, we've got to we we can we got to understand something that he is a spirit and go to the next slide like Jesus says in John 3 he says don't be amazed that i said to you you must be born from above literally or literally born of the water and of the spirit he said you must be born again it's, the wind blows where it wishes the greek word their wind is the greek word pneuma for for spirit the spirit blows where it wishes literally the spirit blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, I'm not gonna ask you to do this, but if I ask everyone in this room to raise your hands and if you've been born again, well, y'all, that is the characteristic of your life. Now, many of you in the room, yeah, I know where it is, I don't know where I'm going, or where I'm going. But guess what? Someone does. Your God does. He's not just thrown you like a bowling ball in the the bowling alley of life and said, Now roll. No, He's with you. He's with you before, during, and after. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Only just to be aware of his presence. And like many times I've had people say to me, I don't believe there's a God. I said, how come? This is on campus Virginia Tech. I wish I had a nickel for every time. Oh, no, not a nickel because that wouldn't be that much. <laughs> at least five or six times, seven or eight times. I just, I couldn't even buy a coat today with that. <laughs> but I know a number of times people, if guys or girls, come at me, I don't believe there's a God. And I said, how do you know there's not a God? What, do you, what makes you say there's no God? Because I've never seen him. Oh, okay. Well, you ever seen the wind? Yeah. No, no, no. You believe there's wind? Yeah. But how do you know there's wind? You can what? Feel it, hear it, and see in its effect. Standard dwelling place answer. So one thing is, is if I'm going to be aware of the Spirit or respond to the Spirit, I've got to respond to this presence of God like I do the wind i 've got to be aware of what I hear, like in John ten ten go to the next slide. my sheep follow me because they know my voice so or or in second, but I've got to also be aware of what i'm seeing. What am I seeing like like y'all remember me sharing I know I shared this story to y'all, but the time that I was in on a on top of a rooftop down in South Florida in Bell Glade, Florida, you know the time of that whole building got wiped out of a hurricane came through and just peeled back the roof, part of the roof, just like a, one of those old sardine cans, rolled it back. And the building gets flooded back. And I was on standing on that roof that day and just dealing with all the destruction of that, that building and tenants who had s- stuff in there. But also standing on that building and looking around at all the destruction that was around me and being in Belglade, all I could hear was was the sound of sirens going all over the place. And that uh, what did I say? Siren. Interpretation time. Some kind of sardine <laughs> How do I want to say it? How do I want to say it? Sirens, S- sirens. okay. Sirens. They're naked sirens, Right. Sirens. <laughs> If you're a guest here today, what happens an ongoing speech lesson curse for me in this place. Okay, go on, brother. But anyway, I'll never forget that day. I was up there, and I'm hearing all this, seeing all this destruction, hearing just chaos. And I looked over, and I saw a bird. Uh, This bird, and it was on top of a a, uh, satellite. A receiver that had dish that had fallen over and it was standing on top of it and it was just having fun. <laughs> and I just go, there you are, Lord. You're with me. You're with me, Lord. So, you know, seeing the effects. And just I just want to tell us this. I just want to declare this into us. Do not ignore the small things. The small words... Uh, the small effects, like the hug of a granddaughter or a grand, you know, grandson, or, or like it says, the feeling of love, the feelings, like Colossians three fifteen, let the peace of God rule in your heart. The fruit of the spirit is what: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith. You know, self-control. So pay attention. Pay attention. What you're hearing, feeling, and seeing. Because God is with us. Now, obviously I'm not going to have time to finish this. But I just do want to declare this, y'all. Because when we're talking about God's presence is. And I want to declare these things and speak these out into us. Notice what I was saying here. Let's go to the next slide. It's a pursuit and a reliance regarding the steps that I'm to take in life. Because like Psalm 32.8 says... He says, "I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I'll speak to you. I'll direct you." Now, remember, now if he's gonna if he's gonna lead us, he's gonna direct us. It's gonna be in relationship to what, what you hear, what you see, and what you feel. Especially on big items, y'all, in the directions of life like relationships or a job or 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 a very Heavy things, very seldom do I depend upon one facet of the Spirit of God to lead me. Because I want what I feel to verify what I hear. I want also what I'm seeing to verify, seeing in the Spirit, y'all, not necessarily physical, but seeing in the Spirit to verify what I'm hearing and feeling. I mean, like I've had somebody come up to me, oh yeah, I've I've got a word from the Lord I'm supposed to divorce my wife and marry my secretary. I've got peace about it too. Yeah, right. Okay, word. Huh? We'll cast that out. Wrong word. Wrong peace, not the peace of God. What kind of effects? That don't line up with God's word. So just because, but but God will direct our steps. He'll counsel you with the eye upon you. His presence, remember, he'll go before us, he'll be with you, he'll be after you. I have never, Paula and I have never in the, you know, we've moved. How many times, babe? Don't, don't she may, somebody lay hands on her when I said that <laughs> word. <sighs> but, but we, we have ne- God has directed us, has never directed us the same way twice in these, all these times we've moved and the things we've done. Never twice. There's a proverb. It talks about God is like He walks through the seas. You know how it is when you walk through water; it don't leave a trail. It just and God's like that because it's all about relationship. So His presence will direct our steps. Like Philip, go to the next slide. Philip directing his steps toward uh, to the Ethiopian eunuch. The ministry opportunity. Angel said, spoke to Philip. Get up and go to Gaza. Or the road that descends to Jerusalem. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Angel said, a spirit spoke. What's the difference? Angel speak, it's external. Spirit speaks, it's in you. Sounds like a thought. I'm walking through the woods one day and all of a sudden, following a guy, he's got the shotgun. We're walking through the woods and he's got a shotgun. I'm probably about from, me to George from him. All of a sudden, he takes a left-hand turn. And I start, I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead forward. All of a sudden, I just... Here's something, look down, and I look down right in front of me, probably me to George. Six-foot rattlesnake curled up. Dude. God directing their steps. Let's go on. A pursuit, God's presence is a pursuit and reliance regarding the things that we speak. Get this, in Matthew chapter 10 verse 20. It says, For it is not you who speak, for it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. God telling you what to say. (laughs) You know, God is so cool about helping us look good. I mean, He really is. I can't tell you how many times those of you in this place would come and ask me a question. When just minutes or hours before that, in my quiet time or studying the Lord or just in my prayer time, the Lord God would show me the very thing you ask about. I didn't know what you ask about. God just showed me it in me ahead of time. And you're going, many of you have said this, Wow Rick, you understand stuff. I don't really. <laughs> God just spoke to me and said, That's that. I just heard it. It's not me who speaks, it's the Spirit of my Father who speaks in me. That's cool. You know, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Notice this next passage. Notice in John 14, verse 10. He says, Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. Get that. But the Father abiding in me does His work. Father speaks to you. I love the passage in Psalm, I, no, I'm sorry, Isaiah, uh, I think it's 50 verse 4. It, I think it is, 50 verse 4. It says, he awakens me morning by morning and gives me the tongue of a disciple. Right before it says, that I may sustain the weary ones with the word. Awakens me. He speaks to us. Not just about spiritual things, y'all. What to say? I remember one time I'm driving in, driving in between, uh, Belglade, Florida, and Clewiston, Florida. You know, in my car, going to one of our stores, and I'm just, just seeking the Lord, and, and, just really, that's one of my times. I was in a car a long time in those days, and I just memorizing scripture, or listening to the, the radio programs, R. W. Sandbach and Apostle Johnny Washington, and you know. Anyway, all these guys, and anyway, I'm riding the road, and all of a sudden the Lord says to me, uh, you got a problem in store number 821. Here's the issue, and here's the problem. Here's the solution. I mean, seriously, just like that. I get to the store. We're all to the store, and all of a sudden the, the uh, manager says, Rick, well, we got a problem. Yeah, let me guess. Let me tell you. This is the problem, and here's the answer. She goes, how would you know? God said. It really is. God's presence regarding the things that we speak is enlightening us what to speak, enlighten to us about life. How about this? A pursuit and reliance upon what we do. God's presence of what we do. And Matthew, uh, like we just said a while ago, God doing things and empowering you and I to do things that we normally could not do. <laughs> I mean, just think about this, y'all. How is it possible? No offense, Jason. A dumb country bo- was dumb country boy from Okeechobee, Florida, writes books. I mean, how can that be? How can God empower somebody who barely made it through freshman English while he was a senior in college? Write books. Yeah, because he can't even say the word sirene. So. <laughs> How do you say it? Siren. Siren. Okay. So. <laughs> but he empowers you what to do. I love it. Like, whatever God's, I mean, I just want to say this, y'all. Stop trying to do what you can do. Do the impossible, which it's not you doing. It's him. He just wants to show off. He wants to part a few Red Seas. Like he did for Moses, you know. Go to Moses, you know, in Exodus chapter thir- uh, 33 and chapter 3. You got it in your notes in chapter 3. You know, God says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Who am I? I'm with you. Here, Moses catches revelation of God being with us. When God says, you go ahead, I'll give you the land, but my presence will not go with you. Notice what Moses says. If you're present, don't go up from here, don't lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and the people of you, view, get this, y'all, I and your people may be distinguished from all the other peoples that are on the face of this earth. Y'all, can, can, can I go to the nearest Rotary Club and experience the same experience that I had here today? Not that a Rotary club's bad but it's all about civic involvement. Yeah, that's making a difference. But there should be a major difference between a church and a civic club. God's presence moving them in our midst. There should be a difference in relationship to my life between, you know, let me tell you something, in the world there are many good people, many good Muslims, many good Muslims. What will distinguish your life my life from a good Muslim, from a good uh, Hare Krishna, from a good uh, uh, Hindu, Buddhist. They're walking around in peace. What will be the difference? God's presence in your life. God's showing off. You and I acknowledging His presence with us and responding accordingly. In what we, in the direction of our life, in the words we speak, in what we do, in the obstacles we overcome. Notice this passage in 1 John 5, 4. Whatever is born of God, no, I'm sorry, overcomes the world. That is 1 John 5, 4, 1 John 4, 4, where it says, You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Empowers you to do the things that are obstacles in your life, like Joshua and Caleb, when all of a sudden they're going into a promised land, they see giants. Or, or Eli, if you had time, he shares, he shares a testimony that we're, they go into a village in, in Lebanon not too long ago. And he, they run into looking for somebody and they end up with an iman. Iman. I always get it mixed up. Imans, You know what? Iman's a sheik. cleric, A pastor of Islam. But they start interacting with one and start telling them about Jesus. And even to, in the not only one, how many did you end up dealing with? Six different clerics started coming, come gathering with him and this other brother. And they're telling them. And so at one point, did I get it right? So you're saying that Muhammad's in hell? Yes, Muhammad in hell Get this now. Here it is. Did you hear it? It says, Iman asked him, says, so are you saying that, that Muhammad's in hell? And Eli's response? Yes, according to the Bible, he is. Y'all, that's overcoming obstacles. Because there were six of them, any one of them. The other interesting thing is, they recorded, they recorded his te- talk to them. First thirty minutes of his talk with him was clear: gospel of Jesus Christ, how to get to heaven, how to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do you know where this video is now? In the largest university, in the, in the large university that teaches Islam in that region, he had a guy come up to one of your friends and said, "Oh, I recognize you." And it's a Muslim. It, was, he a, was he a cleric? A, a, yeah, a student in this university. He says, I know you. Says, how do you know me? Uh, I know you. You're on video in our university. That's an obstacle. Only God's presence can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. First off, that Ely's still alive. Second thing is his video talk is in a in a school, and he's still alive. God's presence overcoming obstacles in our lives. I wish you anything I could pull out some of you in this place here and have you come up here and testify some of the obstacles that God has overcome in your life. That were that was before you. But God's presence with you overcame it. The last one I want to share with is really kind of interesting is the comfort of his presence in the midst of hard times. Y'all, many times in these charismatic circles, many times we start talking about God's presence and we start talking about God coming in and just like picking us up and carrying us with, and just filling us with love, joy, peace, and patience and we just carry over the chasms of, of sickness and death and pain and sorrow. Maybe like Tom and Ingrid just went through or, or Lindsay just went through. And you remember, God... Ahead of us, with us, and behind us. Until, I'll never forget, y'all have heard me say this before, but the time, make sure you hear this again now. I'll never forget, I'm getting ready to have surgery. Because I had, y'all remember, that three or four years ago, I had vocal cord nodules. I said, go and do surgery. And, and uh, Ron McCall and John McDermott said, How we want to pray for you. So they go, and I'm thinking, hey, pray for me so I don't have to do them. Yeah, that'd be really cool. They're praying over me, but you know what? They prayed, they prayed comfort. And you know how sometimes the God's praying, people are praying for you or hearing something, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit highlights something? Comfort. And I go, I don't know what that word means. What is the Greek word for comfort? And first, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God of all comfort. And I'm going, what does that word mean? And so I looked it up, paraklesis. One called alongside. Just, just doing this. Because I'm going to be honest with you all. Sometimes God's biggest presence manifestation is he's there. He's just there. He ain't taking you out of it. Excuse the grammar. <laughs> He's not sedating it. He's there. You know, and I, I you know, you know, because he promises. Go to the next slide, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can a man do to me? I've, I've said that in counseling sessions before and I've heard people say, I can tell you what a man can do to me. But the reality is man can't touch the depths of your soul, who you really are. God's with you. He's with you. Go on to the next slide and the one that really hit me about this was John 16:32. Where Jesus prayed, he says, and "There's an hour coming, and now is when for you to be scattered, each to his own home." But, but, and leave me alone. But I will not be alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And Jesus's words on the cross was, "My God, my God, what?" Jesus. Now you all heard me say this many times in this church, but somewhere, in, somebody's got to hear this today. That God, Jesus Himself, the Son of God. He didn't do anything except apart from the Father doing in him, the presence of the Father in him. <laughs> and uh, before the cross, he knows without a shadow of a doubt that he's going through a hard issue, but he knows that the Father is with him. Everybody else is going to be scattered, but the Father's with him. But all of a sudden, on the cross, when he takes on sin, when he takes on all the pain and sorrows of all the world ever, All of a sudden, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You've got to hear this. The father never left Jesus. The father was with them. What happened was the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that he took on, like Isaiah 59 tells us, where it says, your sins and iniquities have separated, separated, no, it's iniquity have hidden His face from you. And and so I just want to say that many of you in this place this morning, I just hear the Lord saying, He says, you've been facing some circumstances in your life, and you've taken on the pain and the sorrow has risen up and is trying to hide your face, the face, I'm sorry, hide the Father's face from you. The awareness of what you feel, what you're hearing. What you're seeing. Like the disciples who were ro- walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus himself walks with them and they could not recognize him. Why? It, w- it, it talks about how they had said, we had hoped he was the deliverer of Israel. In other words, expectations of how what God was going to do, it wouldn't fit into their parameters. He was the redeemer of Israel. So I just want to declare in here this morning uh, That our Father is calling us to a place of one, He's with you. Don't let the circumstances that you're encountering cloud out the reality of Him with you. Also, second thing is, remember I said earlier, if you give expression to an impression, you become more impressionable. What if you don't become, what if you don't give expression to an impression? If you give expression to an impression, you become more impressionable. What if you are not, do not give expression to an impression? You become the opposite, which is what? Hardened. Hardened. Who lives in Cambria? Apartments. Anybody in here live in Cambria apartments? Anybody live? Yeah, there he is, David. First week you there. How many, did you count how many trains were there? Huh? Huh? Too many to count. Do you still hear trains? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you sleep through them? Yeah. They don't bother you. The reality is all you can hear. You, you can't hear when you don't give expression to an impression. And so what God's calling us to deal with that, and, and, uh, and I know they're releasing the children, enough. Time has expired on this, but we need to respond to this in a manner. So uh, we're going to close shop. Amy, where Amy? Amy? Did Amy, did Amy, did she get raptured? Oh.